Amen. You know, uh, everything, uh, that song is one of my favorite songs that, is, that we do here at church. It's one of my favorite worship songs that are out right now. Um, and there's so many things in that song that are, they're, they're accurate. They're, they really are accurate. I mean, these aren't just stories. These are real events that have happened here on this planet. But still, um, the statement of that song, nothing is better than you, that is a decision. Um, that, that's, a, that's a mindset decision that as Jesus followers, we're really, we're, really called to, we're really called to come to that place where we decide, Lord, that there is nothing better than you. So, so when, I, when I have a choice, when, when it's have this conversation this way or this way, then whichever way that Christ would have it, if, if really nothing is better than Jesus, then there's nothing better than having that conversation that way. And, and man, I just I, I love that song because it really plays out in really um, very real, tangible, applicable ways um, in our life. So, man, just thank you so much for being here and worship. Um, and, and, and the noise wasn't just great in here. Uh, right after I made announcements, I slipped back over into the children's wing, and, and I walked into a couple rooms. I just asked one simple question. I said, hey, who wants more snow? And it got loud fast. Like one of our care team guys rushed back there, and he was like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, they just want more snow. And, and it's funny because um, I, I laughed. In, in the room where we had kindergartners, um, one young man, um, your son, Landon, um, starts a chant, no more school, no more school. Landon hasn't started kindergarten, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just, just word of what school is like. Just, I mean, out of his heart cry was this chant. Um, then, then I, I, I talked to elementary school kids and they were so excited. I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even walk towards our middle school room because I didn't like if the chant started, um, even before kindergarten got going, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring discouragement into the life of our middle schoolers where they're meeting and studying the word this morning. Um, man, it, it just, it, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for being here. Um, today, um, is going to lead in also to next week. So if you've got somebody that you know normally is here with you or, or you're watching online and you want to check in to make sure somebody's kind of keeping up with some stuff, um, this message is really going to be helpful to hear prior to next week's message. Um, we're going to be talking today about um, this word risk. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about um, another term um, that, that I really believe is, as believers it's so important for us really to grab hold of and have confidence in. Um, and, and that's God's omniscience. Now, if, if you take notes, uh, it's spelled omniscience. <laughs> that might help you because that's, that's how I had to break things down when I was in school. Um, yeah, so God's omniscience. How, how significant is that? that? That's this concept that God is, a very simple term, all-knowing. He, he, he knows it all. Now, on one hand, that's super encouraging. And then on the other hand, we go, hang on a second, Lord, if you knew that was coming, then why? Right? So, and, and that's, that's the way some things are in our walk with Jesus. It, it brings us to a point where we say, okay, God, there's a truth here. There's an application. And then sometimes I'm, 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 having, I'm, I'm struggling. I got, I got to catch up with understanding those two things as well as how I, I know, and I know it's a dangerous word to use, how I feel sometimes. Um, but the truth is, and, and I'm going to read a passage here just to kind of kick off. Um, it's going to be out of Psalm 139. And this is written by David and and I want you just to kind of hear his words. This is kind of how God's omniscience, his omniscience, had kind of had really creeped into David's soul from the standpoint of really gaining some comfort. Okay, so let's, let's look at this for a second. Um, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6. David writes, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts 
from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. The, this wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. It, it, it's kinda, it seems odd. Now, now David, again, he, he's kind of like David's the Renaissance man. He's the warrior. Um, he, he's the tough guy, but he's also, he's also the poet. He's the, he's the musician. So he, he, he kind of like he, he fits both crowds. And so when he comes in the room, he's super popular guy. All the girls um, probably had crushes on him and all the guys envied him, right? It sounds like in Psalm 139, the way it starts, it's, it's like, okay, hang on a second. It, it's, it's too lofty. Like you can't, re- it sounds like you got a pretty good grip on it. He says, Lord, I mean, God, you know when I'm resting, you know when I'm active, you know, and, and I, this, this blows my mind, before the, before the words are on the tip of my tongue, I tend, I, I wish I had a set of breaks in my brain, um, because some of the best and worst things I say are the things that I don't really process through real well, they just shoot right out, right? So it's, as, as my wife often says, she says, really exciting living with you, because we don't know which way it's going to go sometimes, and and, and he says, and sometimes, you ever felt that, like it came out so quick? And whether it was good or bad, it, the speed of that, it's, it's, it's almost kind of frightening. And David says, God, you knew it before it even cranked up in my heart and in my mind. So it sounds like he's got a pretty good grasp on this. But, but what is, what's David saying? He says, listen, basically, this, this ability of yours, God, is it's beyond what I can function in. Like, I, I can't obtain all-knowing. I can't taint, obtain omniscience on this planet. That's, that's where I stand in comparison to God, is what David, I believe, is, is confessing here. It, he's finding comfort in it. He's finding conviction in it, because, I mean, after all, if God knows all of that. And, and, the, and this, is just, this is just God's omniscience just really captivated in David's own personal experience. This is not even David wrestling with the events of society and culture. But David is saying, hey, listen, God, this isn't just a quality about you. This is a quality about you that does spill into my life. And I want to I I present that to you this morning, that like King David, this all-knowing aspect of God has, has got to spill into our lives when it comes to this word, risk. Because risk in itself lives because there is a lack of knowledge. And, and many times, the key lack of knowledge for us that we're going to look at today is just simply this. We don't always know how things are going to turn out. I mean, in some simple ways. Anybody sled this week? Anybody regret sledding this week? Really? I thought more, yeah. So, I, this, um, first this week, you know, last weekend when it, when it kind of hit, um, in our neighborhood, there's a few spots that are good for sledding. One of them is um, there's a guy in my neighborhood, and on the back side of his property is an amazing hill. He's let me and my boys sled there a few times over the years. But I'm, I'm that neighbor who I'm like, I don't just roll onto your property unless I have permission in the moment. Not like you've let me do it before, but in the moment you've said that I can do this. So I texted him, and I, I was thinking about I was trying to get in touch with him. And, and, and while I was doing that, I thought, you know what? Let's go sled. Let's go. It's, it's, it's so slick. Let's use the road. Now, there's many times that people have started sledding on streets and it has gone very well. Not many times has that happened in my life. Um, we used to, 
Um, there used to be a hill at my grandmother's house, my mom's house, and I remember stories about how they slid down that hill. And, and I, always, I always questioned that because, one, it went to a main road at the stop sign, um, and then it went into a creek over, over there because there was a break in the median, and there was a huge concrete pillar at the end of it that um, had more than my uncle's initials on it. I think it had a couple of teeth buried in it, right? But we're, we're out sledding this week, and, and so it's me and my youngest son. I put him in front because clearly I don't care about his safety. Um, I was thinking more about weight distribution, so I'm bringing up, I'm bringing up the rear, literally. And, and, and I'm on the back, and, and, we, and we go. And we finally, after a couple times down, you know, you kind of make your groove, and, and we are getting it, we're leaning right, and we're keeping it straight. And then there's that moment. Remember our word for 2021, squinch? Um, there's that moment at the end where I realize sleds don't come with brakes. And, and we're, we're, we're trying to dig in hills. Snow is spraying over us. It's now fully in my eyes. I have no idea where we are. I just remember that after they cleared out some stuff, there was a bunch of, uh, a bunch of brush and stuff that they left kind of at the bottom of that hill. And, and I've seen it, and I've noticed, and I've thought to myself, that looks soft. And it, and it did look soft. Um, fortunately, by the grace of God, we came to a stop, and I felt, I went, ow, something poked me. And it was. It was a limb about that big around that we stopped just in front of, and it just kind of nudged me in the hip. So really praising the Lord that I, that didn't go all the way through my hip joint um, the other day. So that, that I realized sledding, especially at my age now, risk. In fact, walking in ice is more of a risk than... <laughs> I was talking on the phone up here the other day. I was shoveling a little bit. I was talking to Vic on the phone, and I'm about, and I don't know who saw me. I just heard a honk when they went by, but I'm on the phone with Vic, and I was pouring out some, I was putting out some ice melt, and I, I had, this foot was solid. It was good. This foot, the, the shift weight, right, it went, woo, and just went out, and then the other one tried to catch up, and it went out, and I was reverse running in midair, and I just heard a honk. Somebody was going by. Somebody was laughing going out 150. You're welcome whoever that was this morning. There's certain things that are risky. I, and, and, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to talk about a few of these at the end of my sermon. But um, no one operates through life without risk. You can't tell me you know how every single thing is going to go. You, you, may, you may want to control it. Your personality may be you want to control every aspect of the decision. You want to, or you just want to not decide unless you feel like you control. But, but you are always operating in a certain element of risk. I just really believe that as we, as we walk into, we're in this series called Goals, one of the things I believe we need to look at is, is that, that there will be risk even in the life of a Jesus follower. But if, if we don't take risks, we will at best just be still, and, and another word for that I think is stuck, and, and more oftentimes we falter because we're just, we're, we're not, we're not moving forward in our walk with him and our, and our relationships together and in and, and so many different areas. I want to, I want to look in um, to, again, staying with King David here, 2 Samuel chapter 10. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 10, um, I want to tell you a little bit of this story, but just as a frame of reference, it's between some pretty uh, critical things. Um, one is, chapter 9 is David ministering to King Saul, who, who despised him, hated him, came for his life, um, a guy named Mephibosheth, he is Saul's last living grandson, 
And, and David goes and, and really just cares for him and just lavishes some kindness on him and really shows the heart of the Lord that David had. Now, um, it, just like myself, I've noticed sometimes that heart for the Lord doesn't always stick real well over time. And, and that's chapter 9. We're going to talk about chapter 10. Well, in, in 11, is, um, there's this little, little lady named Bathsheba that he had a little incident with. And, and we start to see just there's a lot of things um, about our hearts that can really um, start well but not finish well. Um, and we're going to see a, a story here that I think is really interesting. So in chapter 10, there was a king that Israel had some treaties with, uh, trade relations, some stuff like that. Um, and the, the people group was the Ammonites. Now, the king passed away. Uh, David in respect for this king that he had good relationships with, and the people of Israel and the Ammonites had reasonable relationships. Uh, the Ammonites, I believe, I, I don't, I, please don't like quote me on this. I don't think you would probably have a conversation where you would quote this, but I think I'm right. I believe the Ammonites are descended from um, Lot's niece. So there's this, um, so there's this kind of relationship between the Ammonites and the Israelites during different periods where they're, uh, they're friendly. They, they see each other and kind of, kind of a um, familial way, I mean, not familiar, but, but like family, right? So, so they see each other that way, and so David goes, and he wants to express his condolences for the passing of the king, so he goes and he sends these emissaries to his son to express David's own grief and his regret for the end of his father's life, and, and what happens is, is as they come in to, to visit the now new king, there's some other political leaders in the government that, that get into this king's ear, and they say, hey, you you, you, know that, um, you know that this probably looks one way on the surface, but you know this king of Israel is up to something different. And so they go into this king's ear and they start talking to him saying, hey, listen, yeah, they, they're, they're coming in with some niceties, but you know what they're here to do. They're here because your father's dead and they're going to scout around and they want to take control. They want to take more control than what they have now. So you need to do something if you're really king. Well, that just feeds in his pride and, and so he acts. And these emissaries that, are there, there's two things that he does to them. And both of them are incredibly humiliating. And both of them also um, go against the Levitical law that they live under. So imagine if you're going to do something to someone that's both going to damage their practical faith and just absolutely humiliate them publicly. It's a pretty significant move. He had half of their beards pulled out, like not half of the people's beards, but half of their each individual person's beard. There, there were some Levitical laws that had to do with men and their beards. Um, I, I, don't, I don't grow a great beard, so I, I, don't, I don't grow a beard. Uh, we have two guys on staff that have beards. One of them is good. Um, so I will say, though, even though with what I can grow, I think I have the second best beard here. So that really puts the spread on, on, on our guys. Poor guys, right? I, I probably, shouldn't, probably shouldn't have said that, especially when it goes on the Internet. Um, so they, half of their beards are gone. And they cut their clothes at the waist, like completely cut them in half at the waist. They didn't take all their clothes away. But if, if I mean, here's, it's basically they wore multiple layered tunics. So imagine you got guys who are somewhat military, somewhat political in their job. They're there to pay respects. They have traveled there, and as they leave, they've got half their beards out, and basically they're, 
they're walking back with some stuff exposed because they're, they're, these aren't pants. This is a tunic that's now about right here, right, as they walk back. So this is humiliating. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it, in our world, it'd probably be a little bit humorous, but we're not, we're not laughing this morning. But it, this, is, this is the mode that they're going back in. And, and so David, hearing this, number one, he goes and he kind of holds them at a place to where they don't just get all the way back, and he kind of, they, they bring them clothes and they minister to them, and they kind of allow them some time, um, just if nothing else, for their beards to start growing back, I mean, facial hair to kind of come. I mean, because this, this is really a, a, an incredibly humiliating event in, in these guys' lives. So David has them there, and that's going on. But then also at the same time, now the Ammonites, who are having done this, are now getting ready to wage war, and, and they really don't have the resources and the, and the manpower to really get this done. So they actually pay for other soldiers, soldiers for hire, to join them from other nations around. And, and so at this time, if you can picture this in your mind, you've got the Israelites kind of in the, in the middle, and you've got the Ammonites coming from one side, and you've got hired hands coming from the other. And, and, and they are living in this, this act of humiliation. Um, they're, they're, I'm sure David, no doubt, is just is probably his mind's really like, Lord, you know everything. Here, here I've just really tried to please you and, and, and be good to this guy over here, this, this, this grandson of this king that tried to kill me. And, and, and now my, my guys are humiliated. Like, what, what is going on here? And there's a couple of guys in this story that we're actually going to kind of shift our focus to because David, I don't know... Um, I don't know exactly the military rank of these two individuals. Um, David is, is a warrior himself. I don't know if David's just heart is distraught, but, but he, he employs these two guys, or especially one of them, um, to, to really step in here, Joab, and, and do something and, and strategize because a battle, whether they want it or not, is headed their way. Whether they want it or not, it's headed their way. The risk is there, there is no thus says the Lord in this moment. But there's some stuff that he fleshes out here that I think is really important for us to see. Um, we're going to start in verse 9 and pick up in, in the story right here. When Joab saw that there was a battle line in front of him and another behind him, he chose some of Israel's finest young men and lined up in formation to engage the Aramines. He placed the rest of the forces under the command of his brother, Abishai. They lined up in formation to engage the Ammonites. If the Aramines are too strong for me, Joab said, then you will be my help. However, if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I'll come to help you. Now, here's where, in, in this next sentence, where I want to look at for a few moments about how Joab handled a risk that was there. At this moment, he, he, is a bat, he has a battle to fight. He's strategizing. He does not know what the end of the battle is going to look like. He doesn't even know what the battle is going to look like. But, but doing nothing is, is, is going to lead to destruction. And, and I would argue in our lives, as Jesus followers, simply doing nothing, simply doing nothing many times leads to our demise. If, if, we, if we get tricked into life will coast along and I, and I don't have to grow and I don't need to really pursue this relationship with the Lord, then, then doing nothing, destruction will find its way to our doorstep. So let's, let's kind of look at this sentence. Let's break this down for a minute. Verse, um, verse 11. I'm sorry, verse, verse 12. Be strong. Now, these first two words here, if, if, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, if you study the Old Testament, 
So many times, what, what, what is the Lord's commandment to his people? Be strong, be courageous. You, you really could translate this word either way. Now, it, what, what Joab is doing here is, is really taking this concept of the Lord, and, and we're going we're gonna to make sure that we have, now don't, don't, don't stress, I, we're, we're going to apply this, I think, really well to our lives. But, but he's taking this strong concept of the Lord and saying, okay, Number one, what has God called us to do? Who has he called us to be over and over and over again in our existence? Be strong, be courageous. And, and he realizes in this moment to, to act, to, to not run, to not do nothing, there will take a boldness that you won't just need to think about, you'll need to be about. And, and, and it's really, it's, it's as much as anything, it's an identity statement, even if it's just in this moment. He said, after this commandment that the Lord had given so many times, he said, let's prove ourselves strong. Why? It's just so we, so we, get, we get our names in the Bible. We get our names on battle logs. We get our names in history books. No. He said, let, let us prove ourselves strong for our people. What, what, is, what is the motivation of why they're, they're even going to battle? Why, why fight hard? Why dig in right now? What, what, is the, what is the real purpose of this? Because there is a people that God had called out together to be his. And not just to know him, but to be his witness in all the world. So, so he says, listen, um, it, don't, like this isn't about your personal gain. He said, let's prove that we are strong for the people of God. And, and as we look into 2022, I, I, I've come to the place to realize this. Um, many times, if, if we look at a decision and an opportunity, and we say, okay, God, is, is this going to be part of my life? Is, is this going to be the rhythm of my life? Is this going to be what I really um, flesh out my relationship with you in this way, with these people, um, in, in, in this mode of, of, of service? Am, am I going to do this? If I look at that decision based on myself, if I look at that decision based on even sometimes my family, I'm, I'm, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying put your family aside. I'm just saying um, the, the parts of family at like um, the, the, the busyness of our schedules. When, when everybody wants to go in a different direction, how, how, do we, how do we bring that in to really be part of a community of faith? Uh, if, we look, if I look at it just from my own selfish perspective, I, I often won't be faithful. Because part of what we're called to is this body of Christ, this, this body that we are all vital members of, functioning together in a way that we really come together for a singular purpose. You have, I promise you, if you're sitting in this room, if you're listening online, you have, and, and, and it will fly in the face of your feelings sometimes, but you have a purpose in your life, yes. But, but here, with this people, you have a purpose. You have a place. You have gifts. And, and in this moment, Joab is going, listen, we, we, we need to do this for our people, the people of God. He, he, he saw not just identity and, and what God called him to do and be, but he also saw identity in the people that he was a part of. He says, let's prove ourselves strong for our people and for the cities of our God. See, for them, the Israelites, they, they had been brought to a place where God had given them territories and places that, that he had given them and brought them to. Some of them through battle, some of them the enemies. God just like did something in their minds and they just went running, right? Wouldn't that be great? Like when we have opposition in our lives, if, if God just does one of those acts where he's just like, man, just going to work in your mind and this person's just going to run away from you. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, think about it. Going into work and there is somebody in some cubicle you can't stand. 
and you walk in, and they just get up, look real nervous, boom, gone the other way. Wouldn't that be awesome? Y'all must not work with hard to get along with people. I thought, I thought I'd get some excitement out of that. He said that we, we want to be strong for what God has already given us. Part of Joab's heart is, I don't, I don't want to lose ground in respect to the goodness that God's already shown us. I don't want to go backwards. I, I don't want to see something that the Lord has provided lost. And, and, and yes, he looked at that as, as territory, but he also saw that as, as, as the people of God too. He wanted all of what God was doing and providing, all that God had done, he wanted it to remain. But, but here's, here's the heart of Joab, and I believe this is why he was able to both come up with a strategy, but also keep a heart for the Lord um, based on what we, what we see in this next phrasing. He says, may the Lord's will be done. Now, again, what I said before, there's no way Joab knew what was going to happen in this battle. Absolutely no way. He, he's got no clue. But he knows nothing is not an option. So you saw what he did. He strategized. He says, listen, I, I don't know. The, the, the risk is, it, I don't know if it's going to be stronger coming from this side or that side. So what's the strategy? Me and some people are going to face this way. You and some people are going to face this way. You need help, you call me. I need help, I call you. That's community. I mean, that's brotherhood and sisterhood. That's, that's just, I mean, that's the kind of relationships we can live in. It, that was the strategy. The, the risk was somebody's going to need help. Now, if you keep reading, I mean, it's, it's amazing the way God just worked in this battle. But he needed a strategy. He needed, he needed a starting point. His strategy wasn't against anything, wasn't against anything that God had done. In principle, he knew that it was going to take courage, and that's what God had called out of him. He knew that God's people were important. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to form a strategy that, that we can both um, depend on the Lord, but, but be prepared. And we have, a, we, we have a, a strategy of how we're going to help each other out. And, and again, the, 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 battle, the battle was the Lord's, but he saw it as, who am I really fighting for and with? And he looked for the spiritual content and all of it. And, and, and this kind of stuff is all through the Bible. And in some of the biggest moments that we've ever heard of, in, in, in Daniel chapter 3, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had done the whole 30 thing, and God had worked through that, he, they, 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 they had this opportunity where now there's a, uh, now there's a worship decision. An idol has been constructed. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, this is, this is how it's going to be. And, and when these three guys were called out, and they said, hey, listen, you've got to bow and worship to this idol. They, they just said, listen, respectfully, no. They, the, the, the risk was life or death. They did not know how it was going to work out. And the punishment was, we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And, and, and sometimes I think we tell the story, we, we imagine the story this way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just stood up and like, no, nah, you just go ahead and throw us in there. God's going to meet us on the inside. They didn't know. They said, listen, you can throw us in, and we believe God can rescue us. But he might not. Either way, the principle I've got to follow is, is I can't bow and worship to any other God but God. So that's what my decision is based on. And, and, and now the events of my life, I've got, to, I've got to play out the risk. You know what their strategy was? The strategy was to stay together. Brotherhood. You look at the life of Paul. 
When, when, when God saved Paul, it was this miraculous vision. But when you see Paul following out the, the call that God had put on his life, the design for his life, there was risk, it seems like, at every turn. You go to Acts chapter 16, when just the, the, the Philippian church was planted. Paul is, is doing great ministry. I mean, people are coming to the Lord. He, he, he cast a demon out of a teenage girl. And because of that, an argument, and, and, and people that were just greedy went and had him arrested, beaten. And, and, and he's, I mean, the risk is his life. The risk is, I don't know that I'm going to get out of here. I don't, the risk is, I don't know if I'm going to keep going. And, and God works in this situation. He, he, they're able to get out of jail. And you know what the funny, I, the, one of my favorite parts of that story is, um, and people are always people, even in the Bible. Um, they, they, they realize they made a mistake because Paul and, and, and some of his companions were Roman citizens. And they were like, hey, you know what? We, we kind of messed up here. Like, we ought to, um, <clears throat> somebody go let these guys out. And Paul basically goes, no, they knew who, they should have known who they arrested. Have them come down here and apologize. Like, he, like Paul had a little bit of chip on his shoulder, right? <laughs> like, he wanted them to come down there and say, you were wrong. I don't know if that's exactly the way we should play out every situation, but that's what Paul did. I mean, it, there, there's risk, it seems like, I mean, at, at every turn in life. So the last scripture that I want to I read to you this morning is out of the book of James. And this, is, this is the half-brother of Jesus. This is someone who grew up with Christ. This is someone who got saved following the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a statement in chapter 4. It's very familiar that I think gives us, um, again, some pretty good instruction that we need to look at. Um, chapter 4, I'm going to read verse uh, 13 through 16. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James writes this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there, or do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Have you ever, um, have you ever just come to a season in life where you look back and go, "Huh, that didn't go the way I thought it would go." I talk to people all the time that that move. I mean, like move, move, go to one state, come back, um, get here in North Carolina, and they lived their whole life out in California. Talk to people who are in one relationship now. They weren't in that relationship five, ten years ago. Jobs, churches, people that find themselves within this church or other churches and, and not one to two years ago sometimes that they, they never thought they would ever walk away from the church that they were in and they, they felt like that was their church home. You ever just come to a season in life you're like, hmm, that is just, I'm not where I thought I would be. Well, Number one, number one, remember with, with risk, we don't know exactly how everything turns out. Not, we, don't, we don't know that ahead of time. So number one, if you handcuff yourself with guilt over this theory of wasted years, man, if I just hadn't of fill in the blank, you're, you're probably you're probably going to position yourself, because I, I, I've, I've done this kind of thing in my life in different areas, you're, you're probably going to position yourself to, be, um, to go through a season of not being as usable for the Lord as you could be. Um, maybe not as intimate of a relationship as you really could have. 
or not as engaged in where you are as you could be. And that in itself is a risk. That's a risk that you that, that, that we're all to see, see how risk is every, like it shows up everywhere. Why? But it does. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful with what our minds really anchor into because we we don't know what it, remember what King David said? It, it this is top shelf stuff, Lord. It's lofty. I just can't reach it. I can, I can understand it. I can apply it to my life, but I can't own it like it's mine and, and have it myself. And we have to trust that the Lord, like Joab did, Lord, this is yours. I trust you that, it, that if it's my sinful mistake, Lord, you can redeem me and bring me back close to you. If, if this was a journey that I never saw myself going through, and, and I can't trace back to a sinful decision I made, then, Lord, I have to just walk in faith that this is something that you did that I may not know on this side of eternity. James writes next, Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live. You see how he starts with that? Just, we will live. James says, listen, um, first of all, don't get too far ahead of yourself. He says, you're wanting to make plans with your life. Just remember, we don't know the number of days we have even. He said, really, it's, I mean, even just a foundational level. Lord, that I woke up this morning, you willed that. That was, that was your design, God. He said, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That's, that's, that's a, this or that, that's, that's strategy. That's him saying, we, we, we will be alive and we will make plans and we will try to execute plans. Here's the warning, but as it is, now this is James saying, listen, he, it, this is what I'm seeing more often than not. This is not me saying that, this is James saying that. What, what I'm seeing more often than not is that you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. See, what, um, what James was saying is this, he said, I, I've, I've noticed something. He said, there is such a, when it comes to risk, there's such a reliance on, on, on worldly things, on, on your own strategies, on self-strategies, the, the things that are feeding our pride and are, are promoted by our pride. There, there's such a design of life based on that. And, and he said it, it's, it's, it's giving, so boastful is, is another word you can also translate, giving glory. It's, so it's saying, hey, you're giving glory to ideas that are impossible for you to really know about. Like you're giving all the attention of your life to your ideas that you can't know the end of. And that's sinful. You said, well, hang on a second. You may go, wait, wait a second, Derek. You said that we can't know the ends of anything, even if it's God's plan. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we called to do? I believe we're called to live in faith like we've read about this morning, to follow the wisdom of James. Saying, Lord, it, what, what is your will? If you are willing, let me, let me trust you, and that if I don't know how this situation is going to play out, there, there's, there's a process that I can go through that, Lord, you will be in control of. I, I, I can trust you with that. Now, I want to I suggest a few points to you. These won't be on the screen. Um, I want to I just read these out to you, okay? The first one, um, and this is just kind of some... Some basic process stuff. Um, who or, this is a question just to ask yourself. Um, who or what is the motivating force behind this idea? So, so these are questions I want to give you, and I, I want to encourage you just to process through these with Scripture just in life right now. And what you're deciding about right now, and what the decision is, 
is or what the idea, the concept, the framework for, for your worldview, whatever it is. It, what is it motivated by? Who or what? It could be that it's motivated by the Lord for living for Him. It could be that it's motivated by me, self. It could be that it's motivated by my sense of wanting security or, or wanting um, to protect certain aspects of my time or my life. It could be motivated by my kids. The things I'm deciding are based on them. What, what, what is it or who is it that's motivating, that's the motivating force behind this idea? Secondly, um, this is what I would suggest to you. What biblical principle or gospel truth needs to reign over this idea or decision? What biblical principle or gospel truth needs to reign over this idea and decision? So, Joab, the biblical truth was um, the, the boldness that God called into his people, that he made them a people, and that he had given them things that he wanted them to be stewards of. That was the biblical truth, that was the God principle that reigned over the strategy that developed there. I, I, I counsel many people, and, and when I start premarital counseling, I look at two people, and I, have, I, I do not have the ability to look at two people that are getting ready to get married and really know, should they get married from every aspect of life's decisions? I can ask them some questions. I can give them what I believe is great biblical counsel. But, but I, can't, I can't decide, I can't tell them that that's the person that God has ordained them to be with because I, I also can't predict all the risk of their life. But there's biblical truth that tells, that tells a, a, a guy and it tells a woman what kind of husband and wife we should be for the Lord. And, and we have to be accountable. Can, can I be that? For this person and for the Lord. I mean, that, so what's the strategy? We do counseling as couples. We, you know, we study the word. We, 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 we have accountability in our life. We, we strategize to be that kind of person because that's what's reigning over the idea of husband or wife. So, so that's how we strategize. That's, that's what we got to do. We got we to decide what's the motivating force. We got to be honest about that. Remember, two of our goals this year, learn Jesus, learn ourselves. Who's motivating this? But then also we got to see what's the, what's the gospel truth, what's the biblical principle that's supposed to be reigning over this idea. Um, and then following that is this next question. Simply, what strategy will allow for God's will? What strategy will, for, will allow for God's will? Um, it, sometimes I, I process through this kind of thing when I'm getting ready to have a difficult conversation with someone. You're getting ready to sit down face-to-face. You, you, you ever have these moments, and, and you don't necessarily want to have the conversation you're going to have. You know that it's going to be difficult. So you start to kind of strategize, how is this conversation going to go? And, and I have to make sure that I don't, I don't structure notes or, or, or write down questions that serve my purpose or try to prove my point. But I have to do it in a way that frames it. So, okay, Lord, as, as we have this communication, I can't, pl- I can't rehearse this in my mind to the point that I, I'm, I'm not allowing you to work. I can have a strategy, but it's got to be one, Lord, that allows for you to lead. The last one is just simply one word. Go. Go. And so many times that's the call of Scripture to go. Just to simply do, to do something. Now, I do want to tell you this. Next week, we're going we're to talk about some specific things that all of us need to do these things for, right? We, we, need, to, we need to look at, okay, what's, what's mo- who's, who or what's motivating? What's the biblical principle? Then what's my strategy going to be? And then we got we got to go. We got to do it. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's us moving forward all together as a church. And, and some of the things I wanna, I'm going to ask you to pray about are things for our church. And then some of it's stuff that we all can do individually. But I want to tell you this story before I wrap up. Um, this past week on Tuesday, there, we, had a, we had a dinner here. There's a guy who um, is with Youth for Christ Campus Life who's been in this area for, for decades. Uh, and his, his season of ministry is coming to an end this summer with that organization. And, and he had an opportunity to talk to some family. I mean, not talk to families, but talk to um, leaders. And he had his family and everything here. And he was sharing, um, as, he, as he told us this, um, really how God had worked in people through his life um, in, in bringing him to the place that he was. One of the guys that he talked about was his swim coach from high school. Uh, he swam for a high school here in Greensboro. This guy won a lot of state championships. Um, but remember, this was his swim coach from his high school career, and he's now at the end and, and well into years where he could be retired. So, so kind of gauge the age of the swim coach, okay? Not calling anybody old, but we've used the term well along in years, okay? The coach and his wife were here on Tuesday. Well, on Tuesday, we still had a slick parking lot. So for hours, we, you know, we did everything we could. We busted up ice. We did everything we could to make it as safe as we could to also minister and serve these folks. And, and, and we put mats out on some places. We, we did different things. We marked stuff off. But, but, the, but we couldn't eliminate the risk from the parking lot. Dinner's over, and, and the sweet um, couple is, is walking out, and we had everybody going out, the, actually, the, the, the back door of our kid's wing, and, we, and I'm walking with them, and the wife is giving me the eyes. You know what the eyes are? This man's getting ready to do something he, sh- he don't need to take the chance of doing. Do something about it. Me. I don't know him. So I said, sir, I said, uh, here's something we're doing for everybody. We're, uh, we're, we're bringing cars around for anybody that would like us to. Could I bring your car up here? You ain't bringing my car up here. He looked at me, and I, and I appreciated it for a split second because he looked at me like I was a kid. And there's not many times I get looked at like that anymore. And he, no, no, no. I, and I think he used the word son a couple times politely. Um, so we get out there, and, she look, and she's looking behind him. She's looking behind him, looking at me as he's now starting to want to walk across the ice. And, and not on the marked path. He's just going, he's going off course where it's just shiny and smooth. You can see it reflecting off the moonlight. My heart, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't have any extra hips on me. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this moment. So finally, I get him walking a certain way, and he's like, I got it. I got, and I really realize at this point, he's probably getting more agitated with me than anything else. And, and he gets, we get, we get to a certain spot in the parking lot, and cars were coming by. Basically, we got to, we were out of view. And he said, I just I need you I do need you to do one thing for me. Just uh, come here, come here, come here. So I walk over beside him. I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "No, no closer. Just come here." Okay. So I walk a little closer. He said, "Here, let me hold your arm while I walk through this um, one spot right here." <laughs> really, man? You gonna sell me out in front of your wife, and then you and then you gonna take my arm? And and these aren't impressive arms. Here's the thing. We can, we can keep going through life wanting to convince ourselves and the people around us that we really can figure out everything. Or we can, 
we can, we can hold on for a moment as followers of Jesus, as people that belong to him and, and account for all that he resources us for and to be able to do, to be able to understand. Yes, he is all-knowing. We won't be able to reach that level, but there is a, there is a higher level than what we probably often operate on that we can reach. We can grab that and we can wrestle with it. We can dig into scripture. We can, we can be accountable to each other and we, can, and we can do this life better than we've ever done it for Jesus and with Jesus. There's a lot of risk out there. I look back at, at my life in ministry um, 20, 20 years ago. Um, I had been volunteering at a kid's camp, went to the kid's camp. Leadership was getting ready to change. They go and ask me and a friend of mine to take over leadership. It was a risk. We, we didn't have a clue of what we were doing. We were way too young to be doing what we were doing. But, but by the grace of God, he wanted to keep doing something in that ministry. So he protected us and he guided us in decisions. And, and we're still doing that camp 20 years later. I've seen it in ministry. I, I, I've seen it in marriage. I had no idea what the risk of, of that kind of significant relationship was going to be in my life. But it's man, just at every turn, everything, all, I can, all I can tell you this morning is this. At every turn, at every turn, there is a truth and a principle that is there to, to set us up to the point to where we can be faithful and still live in the risk. And, and, and we're going to break some things down out of this, but this is goal number five for us for this series, which is that we will live faithfully in risk. We will live faithfully in risk. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? And I can tell you this as sure as I'm standing here. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your, your spouse, whether it's your work life, your finances, I, no matter what area you want to put on a piece of paper and kind of make a note of and circle it, there is inherent risk in every aspect of being a steward of that thing or those people. And, and as a church, we want to be honest enough to say we can't eliminate risk, but, man, we believe in a God that knows so much that we can walk in trust and faith with him, submitting to him, acknowledging him, giving credit to him, trusting him that for what we don't know and what we can't control, he does know and he can control, and that we can not just do this, but we will, we'll even be able to hit number one goal, that, that, this, that this walk with Jesus will be our joy, and it will be the peace that we live in. And if you've experienced this kind of thing, man, for the next couple of weeks, contact me. Talk to me about your story. If, if it doesn't get shared publicly, I promise you, it'll be, it'll be all the evidence and encouragement that we need to just share in the truth of God's word over the next couple of weeks together. Father God, thank you so much for your grace and your goodness. Lord, help us to, to be in rhythm with your own glory, Lord, that, that, that we call attention Lord, to you, to the name of Jesus and what we do. So God, as we, as we see your truth this morning, God, I pray that we, we, we acknowledge that life is going to have an element of risk. And God, as we dive deeper into this even next week, Lord, help us to break this down and organize this in our thoughts and, and make this as practical as it is deep in truth. And, and, and Lord, just help us to be bold in that. Um, God, that there, that there is a rhythm of this life that we can live, not just in the, in, in the, in the battle moments, um, that, that we read today. Sometimes, God, I think we see, God, your word, and we think that, that if, if we're not in the middle of that thing, then, 
then we live somehow outside of it. But God, that is, that is us every day because, Lord, as, as, as all of those people, especially as, as Joab, as they walked that battle, Lord, they did not realize, they did not realize what was coming. They could not foresee it. It was brought to their doorstep. And God, so we want as a people to be on the move, engaging, but also ready for what we don't know is coming. Would help that be our desire and our passion and, and what we're ready to sacrifice for as a, as a people. Lord, in this time as we, as we sing truth of Jesus one more time, Lord, I pray that if there's someone that's ready to begin a relationship with him, Lord, that needs prayer over something, God, we handle that. That we, we handle that now, we begin that now, and we continue that together as a people for you today and even through this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing?